Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome to the Summer of Best Ball with yours truly, Justin Herzig. It is August 2nd and we are officially in football season. First preseason game, two days away. We're not going to get many starters, but should still be fun. Just great to get football back. Continuing on throughout the summer, I'll be hosting these underdog best ball streams, bringing on some special guests. You can catch us every Tuesday, Thursday, live on the ETR channel, hosted in partnership with the Owners Club. Coming very soon, a new way to play best ball and fantasy football. Also, just want to give a heads up, let people know that everyone who signs up for the ETR Draft Kit Pro will get a free $10 on Underdog. Comes with best ball rankings, content, season long, dynasty. Even if you already have the account, you can get that free $10, no strings attached. Once you get Draft Kit Pro, head over to the Underdog Content Hub on ETR that has a link to claim your $10. And if you're new to Underdog, promo code ETR will get you up to a $100 deposit bonus. And now, with us this afternoon, the king of hot takes ahead of the field on Taysom Hill this year, living that true virgin life by prioritizing best ball drafting over other honeymoon activities, cross-posting this show in the Sports Grid feed. You all know him from the Swole cast, the Tay cast, the Gill cast, the NFT cast, the Top Shot cast, I don't know, all the casts. Mr. Davis Maddock, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just grinding out as much uh, expected value as possible before I get married and leave on my honeymoon. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I buy I buy Bitcoin because the scarcest resource that we have in this planet is our time, and Bitcoin is the best way to protect that value. But I also grind five dollar drafts with an expected value of eighty three cents. So I'm a I'm a man of contradictions. Buddy. Now, what point would the draft like? What's the cheapest entry point that you'd be like, no, okay, I'm not playing that penny tournament. Um, I mean, for fast drafts, it would be five dollars, right? No way, no way, anything. You know, if if the Pomeranian was was fast drafts only, I would have not entered any in that. But slow drafts, like I don't care. Also, you know, you like the expected value calculation changes a little bit when you're in our line of work because just being able to be like, I won tournament X. Uh, is like, like, I don't give a shit if I, which puppy I win. I don't care. You know, it's like the, the expected value of being a best ball tournament winner in our line of work is pretty big. I wouldn't know, but I'm hopeful that someday I will have that experience. Um, <laughs> no, completely fair. And, uh, I mean, and it is enjoyable. It's now not enjoyable enough that I may, uh, you know, do it on my honeymoon. I t actually took my honeymoon, uh, Two months ago, uh, planned it in June where it wasn't going to be too crazy around best ball season. Went to Italy where I couldn't enter any of them, and uh, I did not do slow drafts. But you didn't, you didn't, you didn't enter in any slows just to just to have something to click on. I'm not a slow draft kind of guy. Well, other thing is Jamaica, like you're going to have internet, especially if you're at a resort. Like I had virtually no internet throughout Italy, so I did not want to be thinking about like, oh, am I going to have to link up? Like, yeah, that was it. It was a blessing and not a not even disgust it was just a blessing it was the right decision but 
middle of August sitting on a beach, like that sounds like best ball drafting territory. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, look, you know, uh, like this is, I think what a lot of people don't get is like the, like top five priorities in life. Like two or three for me is the bag, like getting the bag, getting, uh, generating independent wealth without working that hard. Right. Cause like, like, the, you know, uh, working that hard and, you know, building X, Y, or Z is one thing, but like, just would be pretty nice to just bank a million dollars or $2 million. Um, and, the, the games are good right now. You know, that's one of the things is lots of people I think are still pretty bad at best ball and not approaching it in an optimal way. You know, I would uh, just napkin math guess like 15% of the teams in best ball mania three are just dead, just like impossible of winning, you know, and that could be a combination of, oh, you messed up your queue and you got set on auto draft. Uh, you're not stacking. There's no week 17 correlation, you know, things like that. And so then you extrapolate that inside your drafts and you're like, well, then I'm getting some free advance rate. Uh, I'm getting, I'm picking up a lot of free expected value, stuff like that. I agree. I think it's higher than 15%, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm being kind. I'm being yeah, kind. Okay. No, but even it's not like a making offensive look, but as you said, there's almost always an auto drafter or someone who's just, and sometimes it's me. You just didn't pay attention. You forgot. Whatever. It's, it's, it's been me. It's been, I've been there. That's 8% already. And then you throw in, there's probably one to two drafters who are either, you know, drunk, bad, not paying attention, like whatever it is. Um, so yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay. I'm going to get us in a best ball mania draft. While we're doing that, let's go with chat's favorite segment. Now, first off, I will say my utmost sincerest apologies and responsibility for not helping Evan, Sil uh, Evan Silva understand the uh the game of two truths one lie that was albeit entertaining um <laughs> i probably should have explained the rules a little more but uh, i think davis has got it so uh we're gonna bring this home davis give us some two truths one lie and i'm gonna get us in the best ball draft well you know i am young enough to still remember this like i've been in college uh so i'm 29 so i i was still in college eight years ago so i still you know syllabus day i i still kind of remember this so i got uh one Jalen Tolbert is a rookie wide receiver. You will wish you had been drafting. Not not necessarily Jamar Chase levels, but maybe let's say Amon Ross St. Brown levels for how uh, you know Liam bonked with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown last year. You should be random.orging between Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey when you get the 101 or the 102, you know, depending on when you have that selection available to you. And third, Taysom Hill will be on the $2 million winning underdog team those are my those are my two truths and a lie i like them all right so we're starting off we have jalen tolbert is the most valuable is the must is that wide receiver rookie that you wanted to own we've got the rng between cmc and jt and we've got Taysom hill all right what do you think chat uh i feel like if you uh if you are you know if you're familiar with davis's brand if you've been paying attention to his content i think we'll be able to get this one uh early votes in here we have number two being the lie we've got uh, a couple guesses we're still waiting on three people i think uh, i might have entered a little slow most of you guys jumped in the one before but come on in waters are warm and uh let's see we got number two is the lie number two is the lie we got tolbert being the lie cmc or bust i'm on team cmc or bust obviously it's not the Taysom hill one davis which one's the lie yeah, it's it's number two. It is it is. You should definitely just be taking CMC. Um, and and there are actually I, uh, um, uh, Tyler Lochner, I believe is his name. He actually explained this in a way I've been trying to get to this point all off season, but he explained it the best way, 
where the only reason CMC would not be number one is injury concern, right? That is the only thing in his profile, right? It doesn't It's never mattered how bad the Panthers have been. They could be 0-17. He would still get his numbers. And he basically uh, explained it this way, and I like it was brilliant, which is if you're concerned about the injury at all, that's not the difference to move him from 101 to 102. That would make him like your 15th player or whatever. You know, if you think he's going to miss 10 games, you can't be considering him in the first round at all. When CMC is playing, he's going to be like in half point PPR, probably like three and a half, four points better than every other player. Full point PPR, obviously more of a difference there. But like Jonathan Taylor got like eight targets the last six games of the season for the Colts. And obviously Matt Ryan checks down a little bit more than Wentz. Maybe we see him more involved there. But CMC, number one guy, uh, not not particularly close to me. Looks like Jay Nate agrees. So I agree. I put out a tweet a few days ago on this that I am now on CMC, my number one overall on every site, all of that. All summer, I've also said that CMC is my overall number one guy, but I hadn't been drafting him. And so this is maybe where the RNG like thought maybe comes in. But at what point, I mean, when you're drafting all summer, are you comfortable just saying, I'm going to end up having 25 plus percent of CMC and zero JT? Uh, that was my reason for drafting JT early on, so I could at least have that balance. What were your thoughts there? What, what, so, so I just I just checked. I have twenty one percent Christian McCaffrey and four percent Jonathan Taylor, which basically means I've only ever taken Jonathan Taylor. Uh, let's go, let's go, Kelsey here. Okay, right? I'm good with that. Yep, yep, I'm good with that. Um, so, which means really I only ever take Jonathan Taylor in in the the very small minute portion of drafts where. Christian McCaffrey goes ahead of him and Jonathan Taylor's there. Now I think you could random.org between JT and cup, right? Because I'm not even certain cup needs to be the number one wide receiver. It's just, you obviously uh, with wide receivers, I think it's harder to feel extremely confident. Like you're going to want some cup. You're going to want some Jefferson. You're going to want some chase. I don't think there's any scenario where I would head into the season wanting, you know, uneven exposures of those three guys. I think they're all great. Yeah, I mean, if you're taking CMC one, then, you know, okay, you know, you're going to be overweight there. If you're then, you know, switching between JT and Cup, for me, I'm thinking, okay, well, now you're either at pick two or th- three. If you're deciding between JT or Cup, you're already getting some level of value. Maybe there's even a chance of getting some level of uniqueness because a late second falls. Yeah. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to now ignore JT again just because I'm now getting. Some- unique a little time it's weird but like a little type of adp value but also maybe that's your way you're actually getting some jt exposure and you're getting value to go with it yeah i mean i just i just like i like to me jonathan taylor doesn't profile that much differently than like a derrick henry type which is like i historically have uh (laughs) i mean i've gotten the blade by fading derrick henry obviously but historically just not that in uh i i would go swift here I think okay. I I'm on Swift over Mixon. What are your thoughts there? I know you, you grind those micro ADP edges even a little bit more than, than I do. I do. I mean, like you can see here, I'm only 1% Swift and I don't, I don't feel great about it. And I'm yeah, not that really feels, sure why it's so that low. feels That feels horrible to me. I, yeah. And so I think it's, I mean, I think it is, I'm pretty big on, I don't think that DeAndre Swift is going to have that full role that puts him at the top of RB territory. Um, And 
like, I mean, I think Joe Mixon's not a better pick either. Um, I think early on I was on Joe Mixon and just really slowed down lately. But for me, it's they haven't shown a willingness or a desire to go full DeAndre Swift. We even saw the quote yesterday that said, like, hey, you know, not comfortable giving him that full workload. Jamal Williams is still a perfectly adequate running back. And now they just brought in Justin Jackson. Um, but like, it's interesting because on DK, my DeAndre Swift ownership is like very high. Like I am strongly overweight. And so it might just be a structural thing where, you know, it's hard for him to reach that upside if he's not the goal line back. But no, I'm. I, it should not be at 1%. I'm fully on board with that. So I think the arguments for Swift are very similar to like uh, arguments for Kamara, arguments for, uh, I don't think Swift is obviously, I don't think anyone's this good, but Jamal Charles, right? Like that type of guy where it's like, uh, you know, at one point, like DeAndre Swift touches is worth like 1.4 Joe Mixon touches because he's so good when he gets the ball. Also, there is like a chance that the Lions are maybe not pathetic this year. You know, I mean, all these sports books have been tweeting that the most over, most the the over they've taken the most money on is the Lions. You know, our friend Eric Eager from PFF, you know, Restore the Roar, all of that. They spent money on their offensive line. They add DJ Shark. They draft Jameson Williams. Like they just have a lot of competent offensive players. And obviously, I think we could all feel pretty stupid about thinking the Lions could be good with like like two injuries on offense for them makes them pretty bad pretty quickly because yeah. golf is a distributor, not a creator. And if you, if you take away some of the straws that stir the drink, but, and I I'm over, I have more Jamal Williams than I do Deandre Swift. Cause I think you're right. I think it will be a timeshare most likely. And, if, and Swift is just has to get their own efficiency. Right. If he ends up with the highest fantasy points per touch out of any running back, that wouldn't shock me. But yeah. I also wouldn't be shocked if that's on 12 to 14 touches a game with six of those, like maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 carries and four to six catches or something. Um, I think that's where my concern is. Like he probably has the highest floor out of anyone getting drafted near him, higher than Derrick Henry, higher than Najee Harris even. Um, yeah. It was the upside, but I agree. 1% is too low for him. I will probably start working now more of him as I get the opportunity. Yeah. And I, I like, I like Mixon too, but Mixon, um, let's see, like, what's the right, like Mixon just feels like whatever, like he'll be fine. You know, weeks where he scores two touchdowns, he'll be really good. And you know, there's enough like little worries about there. Uh, I'm, I'm good with more or Waddle here. I don't care. Okay, let's go with more. I like more a little more, especially with the ADP value. Um, I do really like James Conner. It's, uh, I think, just the, the wide receiver is the better play here. But yeah. 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 Structure, structurally, the wide receiver is, is the better play. Um, and like my Conner is 15%. So you see, I've been drafting him, but it is. He, he yeah. falls, is why I'm overweight on him too, because he falls. Like sometimes you can get him uh, at like the 401 or if you, you know, if you get that rap pick. So I, I, I take Conner a lot as well. I agree. And then like the Waddle, I'm willing to draft James Conner above Waddle because same reason, a lot of times when you're drafting him, it's near this turn area where you can still possibly get, um, you know, like maybe you're drafting it here. You can take the James Conner and still get Waddle in the next round. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm probably, I probably like Waddle more than the average person. I, I don't know. I would have to, I'm in a draft right now, so I can't pull up my exposures, but I, I, I do think one of the things that we are assuming is that Tyreek comes in and is immediately the mega alpha. 
But I mean, one, the history of like veteran wide receivers at age changing teams is not great. Two, I mean, we've he's dealt with lower body injuries now two years in a row. And Tua and Waddle, like Waddle is the more natural fit with the plays Tua wants to run anyway. Like I'm, I'm, I feel like Waddle could be kind of, kind of discounted. Like I, there are worlds where he outproduces Tyreek, I think. Oh, a hundred percent. Definitely agree with that. Uh, I think honestly, it's the week 17 at New England that is killing his ADP. Um, now, I think he had a touchdown in both games against New England last year, small sample size, but at New England in December just feels gross. Well, look at that. Yeah, Easy choice, See, that, right? that's why that's why you and I both have a lot of him. And I assume you have a lot of Waller for the same reason, which is Waller, Waller falls. And you just it's like every every I'm taking Waller five spots after ADP uh, every time, pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll agree. My ADP, though, is a little above it. I think a lot of the reason why I'm getting him is because I didn't love the other wide receivers in that area around him. Like, that's where it felt like there was a tier break where you're starting to reach. Uh, for like the Deontay, Judy, Sutton, and I liked Waller a little more from an upside, but I agree with you as well. This ADP has also fallen. He was in that 42 range for a lot, and that's why, as you said, you were snagging him five picks after. Well, it turns out that brings his ADP down. Yeah. I mean, I I, I actually, I I mean, I like Waller for the same reasons I like Waddle. It's just that it's, it's hard to integrate a new elite wide receiver. Some, although I guess everyone in... Um, Las Vegas are kind of learning this new offense and stuff at the same time since it's all changing. And, and I don't think Adams is going to be bad, but um, I think it's going to be such a highly, highly concentrated pass offense um, that all three are still going to be able to deliver value. And you're going to see weekly spikes if the team so, actually as we expect. So I'm I'm working through uh, all of my projections right now. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on these target shares. I got. Devonte for 29%, which is actually lower than his career average, right? I mean, his, his career average in green Bay last four years, it's 32% though, is his career. Yeah. And I could see, I could see the Adam summer being, this is just my first run. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep tweaking these. And I, I, I have Renfro as the clear loser. I have him at 17% and Waller at 21%. What was Renfro and Waller last year? Well, Waller was way down. Yeah. Um, I don't have I don't have I don't have it pulled up ahead of me. Oh, I think God. if I, if I remember correctly, Waller was like a twenty percent guy, and after there was some I don't remember what the injury was, but then Renfro got bumped up and was like twenty two percent the rest of the season. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think like I'd probably go more to like look at like, hey, what are the league norms? And it's really rare that we have a wide receiver playing a full season that's over thirty uh, percent. Now Devontae Adams is also very rare, and uh, but like had but but was no but was never playing was never playing with Darren Waller. Yeah. Right. It had no target comp. I mean, Hunter Renfro is the best number two that Devontae's played with in the past three, four years, like maybe since like Jordy or something. Yeah. Um, like when Devontae was the arguably the number two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like high, I think, I don't know, 29 is still really high. Um, but like that 27 or something feels about right. Um, that's what I, he actually, cause my stuff scales it. I, he's actually scaled to 27, 157 targets, 92 for Renfro, for a 114 for Waller. I could see that. I mean, and I think and that feels low for Renfro, like instinctually, but then it's, you have to put yourself in the position of like, like is our Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams really going to be 30 targets separated? Like that would be, to me, that would be more bizarre than Renfro taking a real backseat. Right. And so, I mean, two things about this offense we also need to take into account is, so 
obviously their target share is not impacted by this, but the volume, the amount they're going to be passing, I think is quite high. So that should draw up the actual total numbers because the division they're playing against and how often they're going to have to pass to stay in those games is that's one of the reasons why I like, like, just going because those six games in division are going to be some fun, fun. And, and they have a great week 17 game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think so. That defense in San Francisco can be tricky. Um, and if they don't, I don't know. I, I agree though. I agree. And then the second oh, thing. Damn. We got, we got, we got, someone took Mahomes on us. This was, a, this was an early quarterback draft. <laughs> I mean, it, we haven't been talking about the people's drafts here, but yeah, the guy that was next to us, CA Patrick, TJ Hawkinson followed by AJ Dillon with the third, fourth. This is, um, this is what we're talking about. This is why, this is why I want to be uh, sacrificing life EV <laughs> by doing slow drafts on my honeymoon, because we just, we just got the rake paid for us in this draft. You think that would have happened in a slow draft too, though? Well, that's that's actually I, uh, grinders are probably more likely to be doing slow drafts, right? I don't know. I think just you have more time, and like I can't tell you like the amount of times I've been with people who are just like extremely casual, but they'll be like, "Hey, Justin, you know, underdog, uh, who should I draft here?" And then like they ask me a question with six hours left on the clock, and then three hours later, I hear them talking to another buddy asking the exact same question. Like it's one, just pick it. And uh, like you can't go that wrong when you're literally just taking that much time asking all your friends all that. I got I got breaking news here on the program. Is this it? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, per per Danny Heifetz, eight teammates, including Russell Wilson, are down on a knee around him, and he is on the cart, leaving. Uh, ben Albright says he's in pain, lower body, leg. So. So should we take KJ Hamler? <laughs> Uh, no, we should take, we should take Chris Godwin though. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I'm hundred percent agreement there. Yeah. I I'm, I'm actually having to, to make up for, um, being a little bit lighter on Godwin earlier in, like I was still taking him some when Gage was steaming all the way up. Yeah. I got 11% Godwin. I mean, I wish, I wish that was higher. Yeah. My Gage. Love that. 1%. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that for you. Um, and for me with Godwin, I've been heavy. I've been high on Godwin like this entire summer. But honestly, I was scared that if I was drafting him the last couple months, his ADP was just going to keep dropping. Um, and my argument there was all these rookies, all these guys around him are going to have great training camp. They're going to have highlights. They're going to move up. He's not going to play through training camp. You know, he's going to keep dropping. And that one report that came out, like him not being in the pop. I was like, shit, did I miss my chance? But I think it's still here because I think most likely he still misses the first like few weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I think that is, that. I think that's likely true. When are we going to get draftable players in the sixth and seventh rounds of fantasy drafts? Like at what point in the off season is this going to become a, like once Kyler's gone and you're staring at moot that it's, it's for me, it's when it goes Mooney, Thielen, Mitchell, Jacobs, Gibson. It's like, I don't fucking want any of these players. Like literally not like, uh, like I, I'm, sometimes I'm reaching on Tony Pollard there, um, not not in the sixth round, in the seventh yeah. round. Um, I know, I know that goes against everything you believe in. Um, it's, just, it's just a big reach for. I mean, it's just crazy when Pollard's going two rounds after Zeke, um, and it really is more like three or four. But you see sometimes. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't actually make any sense. Like one of those ADPs has to be so wrong, right? Like, and it's it's. I mean, the odds suggest it or Pollard, but the. 10% of the time where Pollard pays off, he's like probably finishing top five in fantasy points per game. So I'm not um, same. I mean, the AJ Dillon thing, same thing. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Kyler's fine here. 
yeah. like like I said, I take quarterback a lot here because this range is so bad. But Amon Ross St. Brown is the last guy I get excited to take in round six. Then everyone else kind of stinks. Eli, Eli, Eli Moore too. Eli Moore. Um, yeah, I agree. I've early on had a whole bunch of Lamar before he started real climbing. You can see I'm still pretty high on Kyler here, 18%. Um, also stack partners with Kyler. You can still get Hopkins a little later. Sometimes he still drops. You can still grab Rondell Moore. I don't grab that much Zach Ertz. And then again, you don't need uh, Zach Ertz. You don't need Kyler for a stack partners as well, just because of the way he can score points. So I'm liking how our team's coming together though. A lot you've of the- been, you've been hearing the drum beat on Rondell. Gosh, I mean, I'm I'm historically like anti. I don't want to say anti Rondale, but just like I don't think it happens for Rondale. And for me, the argument has always been like, who is the comp for Rondale that like is his upside scenario? And the answer is Wondell Robinson. <laughs> well, no, I mean there have been guys of who? Rondale's archetype, like Randall Cobb, like Rand, like like Packers Randall Cobb. So different in size. I mean size, but like, but like player type. I mean, I know, I know Rondale. I know Rondale is small, but the NFL is also like so. When when uh, Randall Cobb was uh, like when Randall Cobb was doing his thing, like we were at like a different layer. The ideal wide receiver one was a different size. Then you know what I'm saying? Like like NFL wide receivers have gotten smaller over the last five years right ideal size used to be 6'2 220 now it's like 5'11 190 100% agree 5'7 180 we haven't seen anyone in the league succeed at that and the closest are some of your like running back type um th- that have that kind of gadget aspect uh I think it was Pat Corain who said his comp is um Jose Altuve he literally had to go to baseball to get a comp and his argument was that Altuve's size is such an outlier and the fact that he was able to get to the major leagues means that he has whatever that special talent is to succeed, and he thinks Rondale has that as well. All this said, I'm still drafting him because if somehow this works out for him and they put him in a new role, it's money in the bank, and reports are positive. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I, like, I like Wandale too a lot. I just like to – I mean, the thing is – it's like. Dude, like Rondale did it in the Big Ten. You know, he had like fourteen and two hundred against Ohio State. Like, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not that worried. I'm not that worried about him. I'm gonna check your stats. What's my Tim Patrick? Yeah, only four percent. Uh, I've been pretty off of him. Um, I think I was. I I know I was drafting him some early. I bet I got more than I got seven percent. Yeah, just because I I love that. I love that game. But KJ Hamler, uh, while we're here, is my most drafted player on Ooh. UnderdogFantasy.com. That was just a scary pick with the way reports were looking early on. Um, but what if I told you KJ Hamler is better than Jerry Judy? I mean, Jerry Judy is healthier than KJ Hamler. Not on the pup list, KJ Hamler. No, I know. Hey, I, I'm I'm on board, and uh, you're getting him basically free in drafts right now. Well, not not anymore. He's going to be a 13th round pick by tomorrow morning. So. We should we should take him here. We should take him here before before the discount we should, ends. We really should. Well, I mean, <laughs> there is someone that you've been podcasting with that says ADP doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Oh, classic soccer, Dave. Just live a little, buddy. That's all you got to do. You just got to we live jo- a little. We were joking on Twitter. He said uh, he's a big fan of uh, Raheem Oster, and I asked him where we should draft him, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, depends on the draft, but third, fourth sounds right." 
Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Uh, Paul, Paul, I think, yeah, Steve Smith is a very good one. Um, he's still not as small. Um, and I think he is a, and he's not going to play. Rondale is not going to play like that. Right. Like Steve Smith, Steve Smith got down the field. Rondale, uh, honestly, actually, I would say a great comp to the absolute nut case for Rondale would be how Tyreek Hill played for the chiefs last year after teams started playing the cover two against them, where, they moved him around before the snap every single play, and he was catching the ball like behind blockers or against a linebacker and stuff like that. That's actually a great role for him. Yep. I think the only difference with Tyreek is that he's probably a little better at elevating with well, his height and just kind of getting up. Tyreek, um, there's not like a comp. Like Tyreek is like a unicorn NFL yeah. player. But I agree. I think, yeah, Arizona needs to use him in more creative routes, get him in space, not catching the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage every time. He had he had the lowest average depth of target in the NFL last season by over four yards. He had like one point eight a dot, and then Cole Beasley was like five or like five point three or something. Yeah. Okay. Um. Interesting spot here. Yeah. See, this is the seventh round. Is like the yeah. like that's why I'm taking Pollard. That's why I'm taking. I mean, I wouldn't take Traylon Burks here because it's too far ahead ADP. But I would take Pollard here because I just want to have Tony Pollard. Um, like every pick here sucks like literally every pick here sucks i agree i agree um i often go miles sanders over pollard um i knew i knew you would be a miles sanders bro but only I'm, only I'm, grinders draft miles sanders i'm 12 percent pollard and i'm five percent sanders so i'm not saying it's that often um but yeah i, I don't know um Pollard just, you, you got to go with that upside play. And I think he fits well with our build that we're talking about right now. Um, that doesn't have any correlation. I don't like that aspect because usually when I get Dallas, it's pretty easy. You know, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. What we, we, we got, we got five picks to sweat Traylon Burks. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but like Traylon Burks is a horrible pick. Like no one should be drafting him. Yeah, the only he's, reason he's we're got asthma. Imagine because he's yeah. playing against Dallas in week 17. Imagine, imagine taking any player with uh with asthma it's it's terrible what's your iuk thought uh josh norris gave me kind of crap when he saw that i posted i only have four percent of brandon iuk what if brandon iuk is debo samuel for the san francisco 49ers it's really not nearly as absurd as it sounds because uh this is actually true go back and look it up iuk's first nfl touchdown was a rushing touchdown physically he and debo very similar uh they just gave debo all this massive money and I, I'm actually curious your take on this. So clearly Debo's representation just wanted a win in this negotiation with the 49ers. And one of the ways they got that win was rushing incentives, which uh, yeah, Burks for sure. So one of my, one of my buddies in real life mentioned this to me, which was, and he's a lawyer. So it, it, it's just kind of how his brain works. And he was like, what if his representation just asked for massive rushing incentives to ensure the 49ers don't use them that way? Now, obviously, they're but it's very not massive. It's not massive at all. It's like mm -hmm. they get maxed out at $635,000 a year. But I think that is a clear indication Debo does not want to play that role. He would, he would much prefer, I think, to play his, I mean, the, the, 20, the 2020 role, right? How many players, how many NFL players? Offensive players are like, no, I don't want the ball in my hands. It's no, I mean, this is that. this is all this is all real galaxy brain stuff. But but at the end of the day, I just think Brandon Ayuk is really good, 
And I think that it's very hard to have an offense where you, where you're really only giving the ball to one dude. And I think there should be enough meat on the bone for it's it's like Kittle only pays off in spikes. Like, like there are going to be a lot of weeks. Kittle has two for 20, but, but I think, I think, I mean, I like Ayuk is, yeah. is really long story short. I'd be curious uh, if you have, if you haven't, when you do, but San Francisco, what you end up having both Lance's rushing totals as well as passing totals. I, I literally, I'm putting off doing San Francisco. They're literally the last team I'm going to do. I, I'm through like 90% of the league uh, and I have San Francisco left to do and I have Tampa Bay left to do because I just like, I don't know. I, it's, it's Those teams are so hard. And you know what? Agree, like Alex, ambiguity is our friend in these situations. We don't know. Also, I believe that Trey Lance is not a great passing quarterback. Oh, at least totally, at totally, totally plays into this. Yes. Kittle last year, when Jimmy threw him a dime in practice, he made a very slight comment about, like, you know, praising that comparative to Trey Lance. You could tell he had frustration with Trey Lance in practices and stuff. They didn't have confidence in him last year. I do believe it's the right move to have him play this entire year. I think from a fantasy, Trey Lance is a great asset. I just don't think he's going to be throwing that often in that offense. And that's what scares me about Kittle, about Ayuk, about Debo, about everyone. Um, Debo, at least, like, finds lots of ways to make value. Um, but I think that's my my scare. Well, if you if you want to if you want to go off the beaten path down to Narrative Street, Ayuk has been Lance's biggest champion in the locker room per reports. Ayuk has <laughs> been Ayuk has been uh, taking on like a I forget the exact wording. One of the athletic guys tweeted this out the other day that Ayuk is like kind of being like the 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 Champ cheer, is, yeah the the, the cheerleader for Lance basically yeah. yeah. Brandon Ayuk, the hype man. No, I could see that. I mean, hey, when you've got a guy who's struggling to stay on the field himself, uh, always good. They, they did have good times together at the what, beginning of last season of the bench, right? It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> when Brandon Ayuk was playing behind River Crackraft. Oh, yeah, no, I, it is not a talent thing with Ayuk. I think that's one thing to be clear of. I think he's a very good wide receiver. It is a, oh, I know, the Tim Patrick news is just so sad. Um yeah. Uh, if, if you want to, if you want to look on the bright side, though, he did just get paid, and and I believe was an undrafted free agent. I, I think Tim Patrick and and uh, did secure a decent size contract from the Broncos this offseason. He got a fantastic bag for a wide receiver three or four on a team. Yeah, yeah. no, hundred percent. Wow, um, he is already twenty eight years old. I, I that would have I would have gotten that one wrong. That feels yeah. I mean, he's been in the league. I would have guessed he's been in the league about four years. Yeah. He played probably played through his rookie contract and then got that new one, but he came in the league late. Yeah, I didn't know he came in so late though. Vilas Jones style. Okay. Well, uh, quick refresher because we're two picks away. We've got Kyler. Your we, your cue is your cue is messing me up. I refuse to draft by rankings. So I wouldn't say I draft by rankings, but I have rankings. And yeah, uh, yeah this just helps me. And so like when I'm you know, running back, I had my ADP and stuff. I see, and I'm, you know, you have such familiarity, like. Singletary feels like decent value here for looking at running back. Wide receiver is a bit of a drop. We, we, we got to we, we no. gotta take we gotta take Rondale here because I think there is likely it's to be one five. Our next pick's 112. That's five before okay. ADP. All right. All right. Ooh, I mean, you know, we're, we're we're drafting on stream, though. We're, we're yeah, but nobody likes Rondale. Have you heard how much I've been shitting on Rondale Moore? Yeah. I like, I like Devin Singletary. I think he is. I think uh, it's like a classic over. Like, is there anything that is more overrated in fantasy football year after year than running backs who go running back 
Well, not not first round running backs, but right. running backs who go on day two of the NFL draft are consistently the most overrated asset in fantasy football. Like, I, like, I mean, literally, how many like Keyshawn Vaughns have we lived through in our lives? We're like, oh my god, he's going to be the guy, and then he plays like six snaps all year. Yeah, and uh, who is it? Eric here. Um, no, it wasn't Eric. Sorry, Eric. Um, here we go. Oh, Ugh, Drew. Obviously, I was I was going to try to give someone in chat credit, and then I realized it was actually Dink who said it. So I'm sorry. Uh, no, but that was a good point. We could have gone CPAT over Singletary for the Week 17 correlation with Arizona. Um, yeah, pro- may, may have been the right that that value though in Devin Singletary um, is hard to pass up. I feel like. He's usually going pretty high, but decent call. Good call, Dink. All right. Um, we know if Rondale falls, we got to go with him. And we, think... should have, we should have taken Patterson Rondale. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, Patterson probably should have been there. Just didn't didn't consider that one. Uh, that's the downside of you make mistakes. Um, okay. Running backs wise, do you feel good about these four running backs? Maybe grab like a, uh, a very late fifth one. Yeah, we'll take uh, a McKinnon, a Raheem Mostert, a Sony Michelle, something like that. But but yeah, we should we're we're mostly good there. I agree with two out of three of those names. Um, we we can discuss Michelle later. Mo- Mostert and Michelle are the same bet. It's like Mostert Mostert wins because he plays well. Michelle wins because Edmonds and Mostert play poorly. Agreed. Um, okay, there we go. There we um, go, Rondo. All right, so. We've got a little stack partner here. We got the Kyler, the James Carter, on Connor, and the Rondale. Not too bad, uh, but yeah, I think where we're sitting right now, QB will probably only grab one more. Tight end will definitely grab one more. I could see us going with a five running back, nine wide receiver. Uh, I almost, and you're going to tell me this is bad. I almost always take three at one of the onesie positions, QB. even 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 if I take. Kelsey and Mahomes, or even if I take Lamar and Mark Andrews or whatever. Um, and there are like a lot of reasons for that. I mean, and this is, this is again, uh, I mean, the data would back this up in a way like adding the third guy does generally add at least some small amount of points to your team over the course of the season. But, and I, you, you probably don't sweat these in season that much. And I, I guess I, I didn't a ton last year, but clicking on a team that you're like, Oh shit, I'm in first place of, 37 of my 150s and then you click on your team with the most points and you're like oh i don't have a quarterback this week or oh i don't have a tight end this week or what i mean that is like and that is that is very fear-based decision making everyone involved in science would tell you it's wrong but i just like taking i just like this the nice warm security blanket of the third onesie do you uh do you make your thursday golf lineups by earliest tea time yeah, I love I love the I love the screenshot. No, it's and and it's like also well, you know, also one of the the you and you do probably know this is that you know we're still so early in figuring out best ball is that people will look at the same problem the same way and use the data in a different way and get a different answer, right? Like some people will be like, actually week 17 has or week 16 has the highest EV because just having a ticket in the final has an EV of X, Y, or Z or whatever. So like um it's just, my take, I agree with you. My take is three QBs in many situations, not all, in most situations will increase your advance rate. Uh, I do think, though, it does hurt you in most situations for advancing in the playoffs and especially week 17. Uh, however, 
I do look for, okay, let's look at this team and which three QBs could make sense. We do have a Kyler. Would it make sense to maybe grab a Baker and a Tannehill together? Like I could see that being a solid three QB team. Yeah. The reason why I have done a lot of three tight end builds is because of the Taysom thing, because I just want to have a lot of him and he makes sense as a third tight end because it doesn't matter uh, if he goes a lot of weeks without scoring for you, if you get a couple random 22 burgers or whatever. Uh, but I, I think this team is better structured for three quarterbacks, especially because Kyler is like a lock to miss two games every like every single year. We can get into the Taysom one. I think it's interesting. We start with Kelsey because Taysom is a decent fit here. Um, the, the Kelsey, the Kelsey Taysom pairing fits like an absolute glove because then the Taysom points are only ever counting for you when he when he smashes, right? Yeah. Okay. We are pretty much in. We just need to go hammer time on wide receivers, especially receivers. if we're thinking like we're leaning three QBs. A lot of leaning, lot of guys. I a lot of guys I like here wide receiver. Um, ooh, okay. Josh Palmer would have been my top choice there. Uh, so he went. Jahan Dotson is probably my next favorite, especially Curtis Samuel reports. Uh, I, ADP. I, I, I like Jacoby Myers, but I can't tell where we're at ADP wise right now. Myers oh, just, just went play before. He just Pick went. Uh, I like I like Shark too, but we're ahead of ADP. I I don't, I don't care. Dotson's fine. Okay, Landry Parker or ADP top? Do you feel anything about that? I re- no Devonte Parker. I, w- I okay. would prefer, I would like I don't want any of that. Yeah, you, you could look at my Devonte. This is pretty, pretty interesting. One fifty three versus one thirty three on Devonte. Like yeah. He's been climbing slash, I guess I was only drafting him very late early. Um, so for me, Dotson, it's the range of outcomes. Um, any kind of rookie, still a first round wide receiver, very possibly could be like uh, the target hog in that offense in parallel with Terry McLaurin. And with Curtis Samuel reports not being great in camp, it makes me want to draft him even more. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to take Tolbert in the next round, probably. How, how high is he going since the James Washington thing? I mean, that just happened. He's 131 right here. Oh, he already went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see where he went. He went 121. That's, I mean, that seems about right. Yeah, I could, I mean, I had a Galladay make sense with the Galladay news that's coming out. I definitely wouldn't take him up off like Rondam or Tyler Boyd. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's about right, right near Galladay. Um, God, I'm hoping that Wolf Fuller signs there. That would be amazing. I mean, he like I, I mean, we finally got a report yesterday that at least indicates his agent still cares, right? Because we got the what Please was it? Uh, yeah, it's just like that was the first news item to digest on Will Fuller that we gotten since he posted that picture of his fing- his that finger on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Uh... Probably another wide receiver here. I'm just going to take a look at other positions just in case. Nothing here that really jumps out at us. A QB, tight end, no crazy value falling. Uh, running back, I think we keep waiting. Who's your uh, pick day, pick of choice here? Uh, I mean, I I like Shark the most, but he this is we're still 20 spots ahead of ADP here. I would just take, I would just take whatever wide receiver is closest at ADP. Probably. Let's go Landry. I do like yeah. the Landry situation. Um, Underhill and one of, in his recent pod, not on Hillsworth. Yeah. Underhill in the podcast with Evan and Adam 
was talking about he could see Landry being the go-to guy uh, for um, for Winston. And so, you know, like, you know, Landry has been a great wide receiver. I don't think he's complete dust yet. Um, I'm okay with taking that chance there. Yeah, I don't – I mean, he's pretty dusty and is unlikely to be – like, I think he's probably like a, a not great ceiling spike week, week 17 play, but probably a pretty good advance rate guy. Like, assuming he doesn't get injured, he – well, I, I guess assuming he doesn't get injured and Mike Thomas is still not 100% – which it would be weird if he was still 100% Mike Thomas, given he hasn't played football in two years. He will probably just like walk into like 700 yards and four touchdowns. The other is I was trying to set you up. Like I know the T-ball is like it's hard virtually, but I was like, what if in week 17 we get the we get the, ta- the, ball the, to Jarvis the taste Landry? Of, yeah, the Taysom Landry correlation. I I uh, I uh, unironically have done a AJ Brown hurts. Olave Taysom grouping a couple times. When you can get two QB stacks and you can start all four of them in a game, like yeah. All right, no, I'm gonna give my Taysom take. Um, I think so. When Dalton signed as the backup there, that's when I decided I wasn't gonna draft much Taysom because I think it is extremely unlikely that he is ever going to be their starting QB, barring injuries to both of them. Yeah. Uh, that meaning he's not going to have 20 – he's highly unlikely to have 20-plus games in my mind. Then a week ago, we get – two week and a half ago, we get the report that he's still going to have some QB play. Now in my mind, I still don't think he has that upside of being a starter QB. But, but he's, he got like, he's got like 14-point upside now. Agreed. And for a last-round QB I – mean, last-round tight end, I'm on board. Which was which was really my the the crux of my argument the entire time, like which was was not was not that he was ever going to leapfrog Andy Dalton, but that because if you I think there's this temptation to treat the Saints like they're this whole new organization. Everyone just got promoted one rung. That's all that happened, right? Sean Payton leaves the building. The OC stays the same. The quarterbacks coach stays the same. The tight end coach stays the same. They just promoted the DC to the head coach. Like it, I don't think they're going to be reinventing the wheel and. Uh, the, the, the other argument that I don't think is actually going to come to pass is that if Kamara misses any time that that there will be an increased reliance on the very stupid, like, I don't love watching Taysom Hill. I've never been a Taysom guy. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not big T out here, you know, wanting the Taysom touchdowns or whatever, but I just find it such an interesting game theory wrinkle. And honestly, I wish they would have just made him a quarterback. So I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm apparently the one to blame for that. So, uh. My apologies, but uh, no, I, I, think scenes. I think it's better for the game because I mean, it was a fun conversation with Rubman and stuff on Twitter. It's just like, hey, if we want to have fun, if we want game theory, like if you want to make it an actual decision, then make him a tight end because if he's a QB anywhere else, he's just irrelevant. Uh, you get your chark. I honestly was hoping Robbie Anderson was going to fall because get a little more of that Carolina future stack we're building. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't like Robbie Anderson at all. I, I was I was I was taking him. Uh, when he was, I actually was looking at, um, buying for spike week tools the other day. I did all my imports and everything. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson is the guy I have the biggest value on cause he's risen up like 50 spots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Robbie Anderson, uh, just seemed bad last year, even outside of like the quarterback play. Like he just seemed to have a harder time getting open. It was, he had 4.7 yards per, t- I mean, he was just, was the ultimate empty calories guy. But he earned a ton of targets. He and did. So maybe a better quarterback. Like in, the, he's still. But he, but he earned, he earned a ton of targets playing with Tommy Tremble and Shy Smith and Ian Agreed. Thomas. It's like, 
I don't know. I could be I could be wrong there. It's like is a, it, he was. Is it any better? That's true. I just, just he was the guy. Well, that's the thing is that'll be a big difference. But I I like taking him when he was cheap, and now I like. Oh, tough scene. Tim Patrick auto draft. Uh, there he is. So Sweet. I like I liked taking I like taking him when he was an 18th round pick. That was a really good spot for him. Uh, but I I wonder your philosophy on this too. Generally speaking, when there's a guy I like to take, and then they get more expensive, a lot of the times I back off. No, I mean, I mean, here's the classic example for this year right now. Julio, I'm at 14%, ADP yeah. of 194. Like, no chance I'm drafting him near this, especially when we're 45% of the way into BBM. Um, Robbie Anderson, I don't think that climb was that high. I mean, he was probably around like 170, once like ADP. Um, and so I took him a ton before the Baker, then kept going. Um I've slowed down probably a little, but also I've been very heavy on the Tampa Bay Carolina game for week 17. And so he's a great stack partner of getting the comeback. Yeah. Um, and then I, I've, I've actually been having this go the other way on me where there's been enough Dulcich drum beat that Albert O has been falling. So it's like, I just get to take Albert O every draft now, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we're still sticking with QB tight end, like, all right. Um, we could grab that fifth running back with a Khalil Herbert, um, wide receiver, Jameson. Oh, it's a little reach on Wandale, but he has been jumping up the ADP. There's the Crowder. You, 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 you don't got to ask me twice about Wandale. We get, we get Wandale and Rondale. I think that, I think that's, I think that's good enough to win us $2 million. I love this. I'm going to go back to Aaron's comment. Yeah. Just don't calculate this team's average depth of target. <laughs> and, uh, Wandale may not be helping that. This is this is full PPR, right? It's fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think Underdog's going to change up the rules on that. But did you hear the alpha that was dropped during our uh, spaces yesterday? Mm-mm. Oh, uh, 15, 15 second play clock. Yeah, you don't, that'll you don't be fifteen seconds, but uh, faster play clock. I mean, I would do I would do ten second clock. Honestly, that would be amazing. I could knock out like six at a time in thirty minutes on on the stairmaster. That would be in my perfect world. That would be unreal. I think it's a win win for everyone. Um, underdogs going to have more people being able to draft more. They're going to be able to get through their you know more drafts in general. For people that want to do the fifteen second, like it just creates a gosh, I don't want to have to take forty five minutes to do a draft. Um, gosh, grinding two. 10 second or two 15 seconds at the same time. Oh, also, if you do two auto drafts, it's going to go on auto pick. Well, that's how, that's how DraftKings works. And yeah. it is, it, it greatly increases the speed because there, there's also even that little um, underdog definitely gives you like a buffer. Like you, you they have a three you, second, two yeah. three second. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was, <laughs> no, no, which I, which I like, I can do a 20 round DraftKings draft almost faster than an 18 round underdog draft drafters as well i feel like drafters like my picks like it's like two and like when it goes one it's like gone yeah yeah um uh, one thing i was i was trying to get an underdog to do and they said they tried but it was just too hard for technical is if i have a player in my queue don't put me on auto pick because that means i'm still active in the draft and i'm just like you know making a decision sure. we just got we just got to be careful on the turns to make sure that like your first one isn't another auto draft auto pick from the time before from the queue. And yeah. Yeah. I wish that, um, I wish that the queue would auto 
order itself by ADP instead of the order by which you put them in there. Because what happens to me is, so I take Travis Kelsey, I star every Chief, and I star every Bronco. Then I take DeAndre Swift, and I star every Lion, and I star every Brown. But if it falls in such a way, I might be on the clock in the 10th round, and every Chief is gone. The only one that's left is Jarek McKinnon, and I time out, and I get 10th round, you know, Jarek McKinnon, right? Which stinks. I hear you. Okay. Um, in this situation, I like to say, hey, rather than go 16, 17, 18, I'm going to reach a little, and we're probably reaching on every pick for the next three rounds. But it because because you. it's more important to get our correlations than it is to eke out eight spots of round 16 value. And I'd rather have an 18th for a guy that's not being drafted to get me that uniqueness. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did did, yeah. Go- did Goff get picked already? Oh, no, so Goff is still here. And we know oh, I meant, I meant Daniel Jones, but he did. Yes, but we do have this DJ Chark, DeAndre Swift. So Goff probably moves up and becomes our... Yeah, I, 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 I like Goff a lot as a second quarterback when you get a good quarterback. Is there any argument that we should be going with an Evan Ingram here over a Taysom Hill? Is it, I mean, if it's 2019, Evan Ingram could, I mean, I always have thought Evan Ingram is kind of good, but he just is one of the most mismanaged players. Like he was, I don't know. It's like they, like Jason Garrett came in and turned him into Jason Witten. So here's my thought is if you go Evan Ingram here, we'll be able to get one of our QBs here. And then we're hoping that, and we probably end up with Baker here. If we want to go Tannehill Goff, which I probably like better than Baker, we probably take them in these two and then go for that last tight end later. That works for me. Okay. Um, I'm thinking Tannehill before Goff because I don't believe any of these people are going to be wanting to grab Goff. Brady Stafford, Rogers, too. I can't think of the Detroit. Players. I just, I feel less confident that Tannehill has 16 games in him than Goff, though. Like, I think he'll, his weekly fantasy points per game will, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's fine. Um, yeah, Tannehill's fine. But I do, like, I just feel there are way more seasons where Tannehill doesn't play the last three games than Goff just because they could stink. You know, they, they purposely took a step back, trading away AJ Brown. Like, a season where, Derrick Henry gets injured. The defense stinks again. You know, Tannehill turns the ball over a ton. Wow. You you get the you get the stream snipers. It, it mm-hmm. happens. What can you do? All right. Now, this leaves us with an interesting decision then because now tight end starts getting pretty ugly. Does it make more sense for us to grab Ingram here? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't mind. I mean, the thing is like, Hooper, I don't mind either. Maybe we go Hooper for the correlation instead of Ingram. No, Austin Hooper is is uh, not a sexy pick. And Evan Ingram is. I Evan Ingram still has a, like a like the, the the small sprinkling of you can convince yourself he's got upside, right? How much are you valuing correlation here? Yeah, let's Ingram take, Hooper. Let's, let's take Hooper because we we have we have a we have a Pollard as well. So we this got is the, this is the Derrick Henry goes hurt and gets hurt. And, yeah, uh, yeah. That, the Titans, the Titans do have that going for them. Where like any season where Derrick Henry gets hurt, they're just going to be so pass heavy. Tannehill, Traylon, Hooper, like yeah. And because we have both of these are legitimate stack partners for us, um, yeah. Goff's going to be a little past ADP. Baker's right at it. I think we should be able to get one of these two. And 
honestly, in a worst case scenario, Kyler Tannehill isn't the worst two QB team. No, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh we you know we did we did okay. It's a fine team. No, I don't know. It's not the best team I've drafted, but uh not the worst team I've drafted either, so that's fine. I think that's fair. I mean, you're just getting a little upset that we lost Hasem, but I get it. Um all right. You did some you did some great farming uh the other day. What'd you learn for uh pick, you know, round 18 picks? The, the you want to know the weirdest one that came up a bunch of times that like I literally would have never gotten to this guy in I could have done a million drafts, I think. People are really on this Mateo Durant guy for nope. the Steelers. Never would have got there. Never would have got there. But I, I would, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, does it, is this bad or does it make sense? And I realized that the Steelers' backfield is actually kind of akin to the Chargers' backfield in the sense that they have spent a lot of resources trying to find a second running back for like years, ever since James Conner got promoted from backup to starter. So we've got. Jalen Samuels, Anthony McFarland, Kalen Balaj. Uh, oh, oh, there was another guy in there. Uh, T- Tony Brooks, James. Like all, like, I don't know anything about this guy or whatever, but people are are interested. And I, so that was a theory of like a guy who literally is probably going to be drafted in like two percent of drafts. That is interesting to me. Uh, and then Trey Trey Sermon is the other name that I was like, yeah. just just when you thought Shanahan was out, he pulled you back in. You know, like. 216.0 means that he's not being drafted. Yeah. That's not 2%. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that's like zero. Um, I, and I guess like the argument or the thought process is Pittsburgh loves to use a bell cow no matter who it is. Um, sure. I mean, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to say no to it. Uh, what's that depth chart look like? I mean, no one knows. But I mean, just right. names behind nine. Yeah, it's it literally. I think they have eight guys, which is which is why uh, finding anyone would be interesting. Because um, you still have Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell, Jeremy McNichols. Like, yeah, none of them are sexy. But... Well, Ro- Romeo Dubes used to be my favorite 18th round pick, but uh, now he's he he gone. Yeah, that that lasted two two uh, two two at two two Atwell. That's the one I thought you were gonna say. Um, yeah. but again. Those five seven guys La- that I can La- push over. Lavisca, Lavisca Chenault. He's not five seven. You couldn't push him over. He'd push you right over. He's a strong boy. Yeah. Um, but again, like I don't think I wouldn't say Lavisca's a not getting drafted kind of guy. Des, um, if, if we want to stick to the brand, Des Fitzpatrick won uh, Titans OTA player like player of the offseason or whatever. Apparently he he was he was working hard. Yeah, let's take let's take Baker. Let's get our three yeah. core. Let's get our three QBs. And now this lets us gets us set up for we can go running back or wide receiver. Tyler Tyler Beatty got some mentions, you know, with this news Baltimore. that yep. that Gus Edwards is not going to be ready, and and Dobbins might also be on the pup. Damian Williams is probably the most interesting one of just like, I mean, shit. It's like, what are they like if if CPAT if CPAT's a wide receiver, what do they do? They going to turn it over to this fifth round rookie or whatever, like. Yeah, I, I, drafted a, I drafted a decent, not a decent amount, a few of Damian Williams earlier. Um, but it sounds like CPAT's not lining up too much as a wide receiver. Uh, I think it's just going to be a kind of muddied backfield with Tyler having some role, CPAT having the higher value touches. Um, running back, though, in general, there's just, oh, God, um, I heard this theory earlier in the ETR Slack is that there's a possibility that Alvin Kamara's suspension, um, 
they, if the Saints are out of happens, it, happens later, happens later in the year, and then Mark Ingram comes in. I was, I was actually, I, I gotta come clean. I was actually drafting a decent amount of of Mark Ingram there for a little while. Did you stop when they signed um, David Johnson? It, the, was, no, they signed the Rams running back. Oh, what was it? Um, Malcolm Brown, maybe? Yeah, I think they signed. No, Malcolm, Mal- Brown. Malcolm Brown is on. Someone I else. So. I think they signed Malcolm Brown. Chat oh, out here. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're okay. right. Uh, no, no, I, I, I did not because Ingram will still get the first crack. I mean, they traded, they traded for him last year. Like, right. I, the- I actually like Kenyon Drake and Rex Burkhead a lot as 18th. The, 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 the Texans beats are saying that Rex Burkhead is just the starter. I'm just throwing some in here. Um, the Jackson was for Detroit. The Eno Benjamin for Connor. Yeah, I, 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 I think this team could probably use some early season points. So I would go Rex or, okay. uh, yeah, Rex. It is. Yeah. This is one where a lot of times I probably would have gone. You know, um, just because I like getting. I, 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 I like this too. I like the, I like the handcuff too, which is I don't think it's that popular, but I think it, it makes a lot of sense when you can get it with the 18th round pick. Yeah, and Leone was converted. Uh, he was a little, he was hesitant, but then he actually like dug into the numbers and ran the spreadsheets, and he was like, eh, "That doesn't actually hurt you." And if done right, it can definitely help you. And that doesn't even account for the ping pong narrative of the playoffs. The the ping pong narrative, like the the season where you're playing for the point zero 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 one percent probable outcome, where you're the only team that has, like, you're the only team in the final that got James Conner there because he missed week sixteen, and Eno Benjamin put up nineteen. And then Connor comes in and smashes the pitiful Atlanta. Fa- like it's like it's it's so good. Yeah, but even forget if you're the only one. Even if only three percent, five percent, because you know they everyone has that other running back that's been smashing. Like that's still so valuable for a GPP. Yep. Yeah. Okay, this was fun. Um, so this was definitely a more unique draft than I would say I normally do. Um, so taking a look, QB went with that strategy as we talked about. And we kind of, if you think like we mapped this out around pick 10th or 11th round, we were like, Hey, if we're not grabbing a QB soon, like we should wait for that Tennessee Carolina. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Running back swift Connor, great value Pollard Singletary with the upside Burkhead. I like this call by you, but like, Hey, just get some early, early season points Um, because that's when maybe Pollard Singletary, eh, Singletary should still have to roll, but yeah. Uh, what do you think? Terry, I think, is just straight up undervalued. Yeah, that's fair. What do you think about our wide receivers? This is probably our weakest spot. I love your quarterbacks, love your running backs, good tight end. I'm a little worried about your wide receivers. So we go with DJ Moore as our first guy. I really like DJ Moore. Um, but then pretty much immediately we get into questions where it's like, well, when is Godwin going to be ready? Now we the the uh, I think we got hashtag great value on Traylon Burks compared to where he's going to be going two weeks from now. I think Burks is going to end up being a six round pick probably, maybe even maybe a little bit early if he scores a touchdown in preseason. I really like Rondale. I am I am feel very good about him as a fourth wide receiver. I I think you feel less confident, uh, whereas I don't really like Dotson, but I don't mind getting some exposure to a guy I don't like that much, and then. I think we did a good job papering over the cracks with these two vet picks, yeah. Landry and Shark. They're just like, give me a couple 12-point games while we're waiting for Godwin to get back. 
then some more ceiling with Rondale. By the way, every Wandale blurb makes him sound like Walter Payton at this point. Like these guys watching Wandale at practice in New York are are like all over him, which I actually expect Wandale is going to look great in practice because he is a hard worker and guys like that tend to excel in practice and maybe not do so great in real games, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then uh, feel very good about the tide. I mean, just anytime you can take Kelsey, it's like, Guy, guy might be the number one most valuable player in fantasy this year. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I was going right, to, we'll, we'll keep going, but, you know, we got chat just calling us donks. 100% minus EV. I don't even know what 100% minus EV is. Other than it means, it means you can never make money. It means, it means literally in a million simulations, this team is never making money. It means drafting Eno Benjamin literally would have made this team just disappear and it's gone um lando well uh i've been doing i've been talking a lot we can talk a little more about but there's a strong reason i'd also check out leone's um analysis on this but there's there's a lot of reason to be handcuffing but if you don't want to that's okay i so i think we should be clear taking aaron jones and aj dillon bad ezekiel elliott and tony pollard bad devin singletary and james cook i don't actually think is good i mean i would that would be that's a great one that's i would i would be more willing to be open to that argument uh, but I, I have not done that yet myself. But when you are setting yourself up in a 480-person GPP, in the, the the circumstance that we just outlined where James Conner misses the first two games of the playoffs, Eno Benjamin grinds us out 14 points those two weeks or whatever, and we're the only team with James Conner in the end. It's like, I, I, that it's not, not only do the numbers back it up, but very intuitively, it just, it just makes total sense. Right, and, and I think... It's even more so like, okay, James Conner getting drafted at the end of the third round. If he ends up being like the RB2 or 3 in the season, no one would be that shocked. It would just be like, hey, he kept the same role, had a great touchdowns, and was healthy. So now you have him with a great advance rate. Maybe 30 to 40% of teams are advancing the playoffs with James Conner. You get him two great games in the two weeks of the playoffs, but at the end of that second game, he gets hurt. That's where, okay, what's the situation now? Well, all those teams that have been advancing the finals have James Conner. If you said no handcuff strategy, well, then you don't have Eno Benjamin and most people don't have Eno Benjamin. So now if Eno Benjamin is a three to 5%, not even that, because he's not getting drafted. If he's the two to 3% scenario and he now goes off for 25, 30 points in that playoffs and you have met extremely low ownership, that's so valuable. And that's what we're playing for, playing for that week 17 uh, hopefully that helped explain it a little. I know Davis, uh, you, you, you did it very well as well. There's just lots of scenarios that this can play out. And we're only, we're really, uh, we're really drafting for contingent value in such an extreme way anyways, that like it, like interdependent contingent values on the same team make a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah, you don't even know if, you know, is the backup. Exactly. That's and why, that's, that's why, why you can get him in the 18th round. If we knew, if we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, Eno was the second running back in Arizona, he'd be a 12th round pick. Right. And the key is he's not getting drafted in like 80 to 90. I think it's like 90 plus percent of leagues. And so Daryl Williams is. And so now if you have the Daryl Williams, you're actually losing out on some of the value if Daryl Williams is the one. So instead give me the chance that, Eno is, which yeah, we don't know, but I'm willing to lean into that uncertainty. And uh, that's my number one thing for this summer has always been lean into the uncertainty. It's working with Traylon Burks. It worked with Julio. It's going to work with some of these running backs and players that aren't being drafted. Uh, just got to have that the mental fortitude to accept that sometimes it's going to go to zero. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's great advice for for drafting in best ball. It's just like accept some of the decisions you're making 
are not going to work out and are in fact minus 100% expected value, that's fine. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, all right. One last. Yeah. Um, I just started this last yesterday. And so we're going to keep doing it Mondays at 1 p.m. on Twitter. Join us on Spaces. We had a couple hundred people there yesterday. Oh, is that Overzet hosted it with me yesterday. I'll mix it in. Maybe, Davis, if you want to join a Spaces sometime in the future, too, we're going to rotate through. It's far more casual, just kind of chatting through what's going on and stuff. And then uh, you have so many things going on. Where can people find you? What should they keep an ear out for over the next few weeks? Um, well, I'm going to try and turn out a bunch of content before I leave. Uh, cause there'll be, there'll be a week lull Will there will not be anything for me. I won't be, I won't be working. I will probably be drafting when I get married and leave the country, but, uh, we got, we got the take cast. We got, uh, the sports grid fantasy football podcast. And then I'm on TV every day from, uh, 10 central to 11 central on sports grid for fantasy sports today. I love it. And uh wedding is not this, but next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're getting in, down to it. I'll be in Canton. I'll be at the Fantasy Football Expo, and we will definitely be cheersing a drink to you uh, from from you know further away. Beautiful, beautiful draft uh, draft a uh, draft a handcuff basketball team in my honor. <laughs> I will indeed. That's fantastic. Okay, Davis, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. Chat, you were fantastic. Thanks for joining this fun stream. Up next, I will see you all in two days. Uh, it's Thursday. See you all later. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.